Hey guys, for those of you that haven't joined us before, I'm John Harris. I'm a professional drummer and educator and best friends with me, Ben Jones. I am a professional bassist and educator. And over the last 15 years, we've been working, laughing and living together, navigating the ups and downs of teaching in higher education and having a jolly old time in the UK music industry. This podcast is our way to open the doors of our friendship and professional lives to discuss all things music and life. Welcome to our podcast, Beats and Best Friends. Hello guys and welcome back to Beats and Best Friends, episode three. Whoa, that was was cool. Jinx, make a wish. No, it's Jinx, now you have to buy me a Coke, isn't it, from the office when uh, Pam does it. Really? She's like, Jinx, gotta buy me a Coke. Office fans, write in and tell me oh, what I'm right. She does. She does. Okay. I'm right. So, yeah, episode three. How are you feeling today? Really good, mate. We've just um, we've just finished teaching. So you've had and, a day of teaching. Yeah. doing Mega uh, long day for me. Yeah, you've had a long day. We're teaching rhythm section workshop. Yeah, really you cool. had some really good fun with that, actually. Got to play some very cool stuff. They had some really good creative ideas today, which was mm. like, Really impressive, actually. Yeah. Loads of fun, that one. Um, year and one's representing. Yeah, year one's representing, absolutely. And what did you do other than that today? You were coming in today because it's Monday, isn't it? So. Yeah, so I've, just, I've literally just got back off the tour, so it's kind of... Um, oh, lovely. Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't really know where I am at the moment. <laughs> I'm like here, then I'm there, then I'm teaching, then I'm back on the tour. But it's, yeah, it's all good. What was the tour last week? Or where were you in the country? So uh, we were Glasgow. Glasgow. That was a terrible Scottish <laughs> accent. Glasgow. That's even worse. I give up. Just stop. I'll try to do a better one this time. Okay. And Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool? There you go. That's, that's, that's good. better. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. For all our Liverpool Great. fans Thank out you. there. Yeah. So <laughs> like, sorry. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, lovely. So Glasgow and Liverpool. And mm-hmm. it was quite a special one, wasn't it? Why was it special? Yeah. So um, Holly Johnson, who I'm on tour with at the moment, um, is from Liverpool. He's a, he's a scouser. Lovely. So it was at the Liverpool Philharmonic nice. and it was sold out and it was probably the best gig I've ever done. Nice. Um, like the O2 was was really special, but I, I, there was something about this one. It was just like electric and also Liverpool had just won the football as well. Ah. So it was just like good vibes all round. Nice. Um, it, was, it was just ridiculous, to be honest. It was just, they were so up for it. Uh, the energy was electric and the band just played their ass off as well it was good right nice good. and what's the capacity of that one i think it's like two or three thousand nice so he did two dates didn't he we've got a second date oh you've got a second date you're going back of on november ah, okay yeah. cool be interesting to see what it's like the second time mm. round when the not the novelty but like you know what you're expecting now yeah so that'd be quite cool and how was the rest of the week uh, yeah, amazing. Really, really good. So this week we've got Birmingham and then uh, London Palladium on Friday. Yeah, London's the big date on Friday, isn't it? Yeah, nice. Which is going to be amazing. Nice. I'm a bit nervous for that one. Really? Because mm. you've got so many people who got you my, know. All my family, Claire, um, yeah. mum and dad, brother. Um, there's a lot of like, we've just seen online that people are flying in from like the States wow. to come and see it and stuff. It's sold out. It's going to be amazing. But I'm like... I don't know. That one makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and is because you were saying about the staging and stuff, is that the same for London or is it because there's like screens or something you were saying? Yeah. So we, on this run of the, the tour, the UK dates, and I think when we go to Germany as well, they've actually brought in like a visuals guy, right. a guy called Miguel, who's amazing. Yeah. And because the whole show is to click um, and to track, he's matched the visuals to the whole show. Oh, cool. So all the visuals on this massive screen that we tour yeah. behind us matches up to hits, um, the songs that we're playing, nice, all the intros and stuff, and the visuals are ridiculous. Yeah, so cool. There's when we first come on, um, it's like Holly's face comes up and then it kind of like fades away into the distance. Yeah, and then there's all these like shots of him live. Um, nice. things that pop on the screen with hits and stuff like that and then this massive like strobe towards the end and then we kick into the show and Holly walks on it's that's pretty cool. special that's really cool I saw one of the videos and I saw I think it was in Relax mm. like it was is it orange and stuff yeah. and there's someone is that is that's not Holly dancing on the screen is it or is it no it's, it's just, just an actor or something loads of naked dudes 
Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, naked dudes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, great. That's awesome, man. Very nice. And then week next week, what's that after that? So that's so. I've, so next week, I've actually taken the week off. Great. We're on reading week. We're on reading week. And yeah, it's half term. And then the next weekend, we fly off to Germany. Nice. So. And that's the end. No. Two more weeks. No, no, no. So we've got Germany. Then we come back and do a load of UK shows. It's like Newcastle, oh, yeah, Liverpool, yeah. Brighton, a couple of other ones. And then we go off and do all the island, island stuff. And that's and it. And then we're done. Nice. Yeah, I can't really, because it's nearly end of October, mm. which is like, it's, just, mental, it's gone it? by so quick since we came back. Um, nice. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, What's been happening with you? Mm. We've been up to. So since I saw you last week, what's been happening with me? Not a huge amount. Um, yeah, not a huge amount. I've got this uh, theatre show in two weeks' time, uh, which is like a Frankie Valley thing. Oh, that's oh which wow! Is quite fun. Just one night, just depping in. Uh, but it's still like thirty-three songs, so you know you got yeah. like a full. <laughs> it's a full show. Um, so I've just been learning the tracks for that, and again, it's just great music, Frankie yeah. Valley stuff. Like it's just you know some of the best songs of all time really i forget how many hits they had mm-hmm. so many hits i've gone through the set list and i was like i didn't know it was frankie valley i didn't know it was frankie valley um so that was really cool how'd you get that that is through another gig just uh the keyboard player was like oh i need a depth for this do you want to mm. do it and i was like yeah for sure love to do that i think that's so i get asked this question all the time i mm. think it's the million the million dollar question isn't it and like for any sort of people that are looking to get into the industry or students or whatever when they go like, "How do you get work?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a a tricky question because it is, it's yeah. like there's so many different ways. But I think the most common is, is it's like word of mouth, isn't it? It's like repeat yeah. business. Yeah. So if you do well on one gig, you might get recommended for another one by someone, or they're like, "Oh, actually, I you know you did well on that gig. I need a bass player or a drummer or a guitarist or whatever for this Absolutely. gig." Absolutely, you know. Yeah, totally. And what it was is we were chatting on the gig, and the guy was saying oh, I've got this gig coming up. And he asked the drummer, he was like, oh, can you do it? And he was like, yeah, I can do that. And he's like, oh, I actually need a bass player as well. So could you do it? And then, you know, you fix the gig there and then and it's yep. done. Um, it's a funny one because it's a small band, it's all to click and some of the stuff is on track. So when I got the material, I got the click tracks, which obviously is like, you know, fine, but not the most exciting thing to play when you've just got sheet music and a click track with some very sparse backing occasionally in mm-hmm. the track so i said to him i was like oh can i get some like the tracks because like it's really interesting when you have a chart and the click track sometimes it just doesn't do it enough justice until you hear what the bands are playing on the songs themselves yeah. so like because it's theater so many of them's like time signature changes and um feel changes and now i've learned the songs i'm just going back to the click track so i'm just yeah. doing it to the click track but there is something <laughs> really weird it's about just playing bass on your own with a click track no backing at all but it's good because then you get used to the cues and that's been really useful so have you got have you got like cues on the backing tracks yeah. that's always nice yeah because some of them are horrible well. yeah it's like 14 repeats and you're like what? yeah that's nice so it's like ever. one cool two okay (laughs) great because after a while i'd be snow blind by like 12 so that was cool um so that's yes two weeks time um which is really fun i'm actually just really looking forward to Mm. it it's just fun music great bass lines as well really good fun and where's the gig uh it's at dunstable uh theater i played which is beautiful right it's supposed to be a really nice theater um so i'm looking forward to that and yeah that's been it really just been doing that and just family stuff nice what do we do this weekend just chilled i had open day that was fun so we had open day on saturday new house band did an amazing job amazing shout out to you guys if you're watching this uh so it's natalia and amar on vocals cool tay is still md yeah and you'd remember tay from season one with uh beth who when we did one of our student guest spots uh lucas a new guitarist transfer from sir he yeah chris heather on drums nice uh 
and that's it that's the band so they, they were good. brilliant it was so good like so so good so i was really proud of them on saturday uh had a really big full house there was about 50 in wow. for that which was really cool and what was really cool actually so i do this thing where i ask them what makes a great performance and i do it on mentimeter and then i ask them what would you most like to work on if you come to icmp so we do that and then so we look at themes and one thing that kept coming up was technique everyone was just like technique 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 so i said right who'd be up for doing it right now who wants to get up on stage this is at the venue as well mind you with wow. all the lights and everything and um two girls put their hands up and a bassist a guy called l really really lovely guy actually and the girls were brilliant as well so we got them straight up got them playing then amazing natalia and amar gave them some vocal feedback I gave L with Tay some bass feedback wow. and then they played it again and it was amazing. And like they left feeling really buzzed by that. So amazing. that was really, really cool. So hopefully we'll see some of those people um, in September. But it was really good. Mate, nice. So yeah, so that was it. I, um, think, I think that can, when we so when we were in Liverpool um, afterwards, because me and Dave just like to go out and have a beer and stuff yeah, um, after the show, we, we come off stage, we go back, we grab a beer or grab a glass of wine and then we actually go back out onto the stage and people were sort of clearing the theater or the venue we're in and um we just go and speak to them yeah. and it's just really nice isn't it to, you, know, yeah. you know because sometimes they want to speak to you and stuff and i spoke to a really uh lovely lady called Catherine right after the show and she was like oh my my son's just started playing drums and stuff and i was like you want some sticks nice. and she was like Aww. oh my god of course i was like it's cool like, i've got yeah. some sticks so I gave you some sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 50 quid. Yeah. And you signed them. Yeah. I, I signed them hundreds. No, I gave, gave her some sticks. And um, we t- and I, I, I t- got her phone. I sort of took a picture of my kit from behind it and like, yeah, in front of stuff nice. so he could see. Yeah. And um, she was like, oh my God, it's amazing and stuff. And it, it made me think of, there was a gig that I went to when I was super young and the drummer was amazing. And I went and spoke to him and he was a really, really lovely dude. I can't remember his name actually, but he was in this metal band and he was like super cool. Nice. And um, he like proper inspired me. He gave me some sticks and it just made me think back to that, yeah. that kind of that feeling. I was like, I want to be like that dude. Yeah. And you know, hopefully you I, I might be, you know, yeah. if he plays drums, you might remember that, you know, you might not. Definitely. And it was just like, I think with the thing that you were talking about as well, it's, it's just nice to those little moments you know, sometimes remain in someone's head oh, and yeah. give them the kind of inspiration and the the encouragement, I suppose, to go off and do it themselves. And I said to, to Catherine as well, I was like, you're amazing, you know, supporting your son because yeah. there's no no way that I'd be here now doing what I'm doing, meeting the people that I meet, traveling the world, if it wasn't for my mum and dad because yeah. they drove me to all my gigs. They were constantly, constantly sort of supporting me, um, you know, sort of took me to rehearsals and all that stuff and just you know when you know when you've got someone backing you it just makes it that much easier do you know what i mean so definitely it's important no i think it's i totally agree and i think like there's a there's a duty of sending it down for the next people and like you know i think that's wonderful that's so well catherine shout out to you and sweet catherine sweet catherine she was lovely and her son yeah um right so today this episode we are going to be talking about something that is horrible the bane of our lives and that is sound limiters Mm. now some of you may know what a sound limiter is for those of you who don't what is a sound limiter dr john dr john so (laughs) there's there's quite a few different types of sound limiter and it seems to be a thing now in the uk because everyone wants to stop having fun (laughs) <laughs> and stop and stop all fun and health and safety love to fucking put their their, their dirty hands in everywhere yeah totally um but essentially what it is all venues are different but you you're in a venue they have some form of decibel reader and yeah. whether that's like a handheld thing or it might be a mic at the back of the venue uh, plugged into a decibel reader and if you go into you know a certain level of volume or decibels in some venues it will literally you're plugged into their power supply it will cut the power and what it basically means is it's giving you a warning that you're too loud yeah now this the thing is when i say there's so many different versions we've had it in venues where you've got you know um bob down the road yeah this an old guy who's made a complaint Mm -hmm. and the council have come in and put in a sound limiter 
And that might be the owner of the venue just at the back of the venue with a decibel reader. And they're walking around being super distracting all night with a reader going, you're too loud, you're too yeah. loud. <sighs> and the thing, the reason it pisses me off so much, and we're gonna, it's, this is a bit of a ranty episode because we thought we'd get it off our chest. And I know that if you're a gigging musician, especially doing functions yeah, you'll know. and weddings and stuff, you'll know all about this. The thing is, that frustrates me so much is they have no idea what they're talking about. So <laughs> they've they've got this limiter and they this, this thing in their hand. They're just going, it's above ninety. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but if you're stood right next to my face exactly, and the symbols, yeah. obviously it's going to be allowed. Yeah. You're trying to measure it so that Bob in the village can't hear it. Yes. So we had one, and I, this is this. I'll tell this story for some context. I gig with a, a really amazing corporate band, and it's everything is mic'd up. We're all on in ears, <laughs> and it's a proper party band, right? So we get to the venue. Uh, in our contract, it says. Is there any sound restrictions? Yeah. They replied and signed the contract. No. So we loaded in subs, all the you know all the speakers, drum mics, everything like that. Set up. I literally hit the snare once, and she came over and she went, "Excuse me, it's 90. I was like, "What do you mean it's ninety? We've got a sound limiter." Oh, I was no. like, oh, God. "Have you? Have you?" <laughs> so you watched us load all that stuff in, and basically it got to the point where. And Tom's, you know, Tom, he's obviously amazing with sound. Yeah, he's incredible. We had to bring the volume down so low that at one point I stopped playing and no one noticed. And Tom, bless him, plays keys and sings. He was having an absolute mare to the point where in the break, the bride and groom came over and said, we can't hear what you're doing. And then we got to the end of the gig and the owner came over and, and Tom was like, was that okay? And he went, oh, you weren't even listening. So they basically told us, kept on telling us to turn it down and then not measured it again. And we could have just turned it up and it would have been absolutely fine. <laughs> so annoying. So I think there's an important context here is that as venues want to increase their revenue, the most obvious thing to do, this is for wedding venues or like function venues or whatever. They want live music. So they say, and they go and get the license and they, you know, they can say, right, we can have live music here, but they are beholden to the council mm -hmm. of the borough that, or the county that they're in. So <laughs> this is the problem. You've got venues who are saying you can have live music, but what they don't tell their guests is that actually it's been set at like 82 or something ridiculous ridiculous like that so yes you can have live music at your venue yeah. for your wedding or your party or whatever but it has to be so quiet that the band are going to hate it your guests are going to hate yeah. it but you're basically deceiving clients yeah. that's the bit that really pisses me off is like just don't have live music if you can't have it over 80 don't bother yeah right and i get that people have you know, lived in areas for a long time and then venues sprout up and, and the, the the area changes. You know, yeah. if you live in a small country sort of town and then the big stately home down the road suddenly starts doing weddings and it gets loud and you've lived there since, you know, 18.5 and, you know, <laughs> you, you're basically, <laughs> this is my house and blah, blah, blah. I get that. But you're right. Where the tests should be done is by their houses. Mm. What nobody cares if it's 90 in, or 110 inside the venue. What we need to know is what's the bleed outside. Now, if you go outside and it's 110 outside the venue. Yeah, <laughs> then you are then loud. You know you are really loud. But this is the thing. And I think what really doesn't sit well with me, sit well with me is the common sense. There's no common sense and there's no consistency. Yeah. That's what really pisses me off. It's like, I get, because I used to, when I first moved to London, I was um, sort of assistant manager to a bar in, in London. Assistant to the regional manager. Assistant to the <laughs> regional manager. Oh my God, yes. I was the Dwight Shrew of that <laughs> pub. But we had um, apartments above the bar, right? So you had, you know, ceiling and flooring and stuff. But it wasn't massively sort of thick. So there was a lot of bleed. So we'd have a sound system plugged into the, the you know, the venue. And 
eventually we got complaints because the residents were like, well, yeah, I don't want to hear it. You know, I totally get that. Like, you know, you're paying a lot of money for this apartment. This is not cheap. But we then had to have a sound limiter, which was totally cool. But the problem was they would complain. We'd take a reading inside the bar, which was too high. But I want to know what the reading was in their yeah. house. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's really loud, that then, of course, you turn down. But you just need to know, right? And this is where people who are in jobs who know absolutely nothing about the job that they are in. Mm-hmm. So let's say you work at the council and you're in charge of these sort of things. Unless you are like an audiologist or someone who really understands live music and the physics of sound... Yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't really care what you think. Yeah. Because you're just being told to put a little thing up in the air and go, 75, you can't do it over 75. It's like, yeah, but where is it 75? Exactly. You're right by the drum kit. Go stand at the front door. Oh, it's 42. Oh, well, that's funny, isn't it? Like, but they don't go, well, look, there you go. And it's like, yeah, no, I know. Because if I, <laughs> you know, put that next to this amp, it's going to be really loud. So it is really annoying that. It's, it's literally computer says no, isn't it? Oh, it it's, is it's the equivalent says no. to. And the, the thing is, to give you some context as well, I think I might be slightly wrong. It's around like around seventy to eighty is a Hoover. Yeah, exactly. Is exactly. the is a decibel reading of a Hoover? It's ridiculous. And I think, and you're totally right. But I actually also feel really sorry for some of the venues because they've set themselves up for live music. Yeah. And obviously, if you're a wedding venue and you're like we can't have live music here, you'll probably lose three quarters of your, oh, your business. Uh, yeah. Even live music maybe. for weddings exactly. is like, you need it. So I do feel sorry for them, but I think at the same time, councils need to give them some form of training. And also, totally. when you get to most wedding venues, it's like you go inside, oh, we've got a, we've got a limiter. Okay, what's your venue made of? Stone and glass. <laughs> Excellent. That's great for dampening the sound, isn't it? <laughs> so fucking put so some like true. you know, put some like some treatment around yeah, it, or put some, some sheets, or, or yeah. put some carpets on the floor, or something, something to soak exactly. up the sound. Yeah, you no. know, it's not, it's not, it's not difficult. Like, I've done um, some drapes and stuff in my studio to soak, uh, soak up some of the sound from the ceiling. Yeah, it's really you know when we do docks in Grimsby, oh, great venue, beautiful venue, love it. But when we first started playing there, it was like an echo chamber. Yeah, and now. They put those big curtains behind us. Huge sound is massive is. and ridiculously delicious. It is, it's a really good you know? venue that. And I think that's the thing. It's like with anything. I think people look at music and they go, "Ah, Sony music." It's like, no, it's not. Like, you have to understand sound sometimes. Mm. Like, and you're right. You go into these massive barns and you hit <laughs> the snare. It's like. Like, it's too loud. Oh, no, shit, Charlotte. Oh, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, because I'm in a fucking cave. <laughs> no, but this is the thing. It's like, you've got... And I, it does annoy me, because venues, you can see they're taking the piss more and more. Yeah. You walk into like, the you know, the limiters, oh, it's 78, and you have to sign a contract. It's like, well, just don't do the gig. Well, we've started to say no now. Turn it off. Right, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. And this this is the thing. Um, sorry to interrupt, mate. No, just, no. Uh, kind of carrying on from that. 15 years, I got used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is now it's it's getting to the point where I'm not sure if I want to do yes. those gigs anymore because yes. it's so soul destroying. Like we're you know with the light years we're a big hip hop R and B disco UK garage that yeah. sort of vibe. And when I can't even when I'm using my hands and they're telling me it's too loud, there's a there's a problem there. And it's like. I don't want to buy an electric drum kit because no. there are a lot of venues now will say you have to have in contracts. It's like you have to have no amps. It's all got to be on an in-ears, no drum kit. So it has to be an electric drum kit. I used, I borrowed one off a mate for a gig a couple of months ago. I borrowed the, I think it's the TD50, the Roland. It's like six grand. Yeah. And it, I still hated every second. Yeah. So like if I'm playing on the best electric drum kit pretty much in the world and I still hate it, I just don't know if I want to do those gigs. Yeah, totally. So this means that upcoming players need to be aware of these restrictions because actually drummers in particular have it probably the hardest unless you're playing electric kit. Yeah. And we could speak a little bit about why electric kit is not the one and it doesn't feel the same and potentially doesn't sound the same. So this is really important because I think a lot of people don't appreciate how quiet you might have to play mm. on a paid gig. 
I look back when we did the Quaglino's residency for years. I mean, I loved it. Mm. It was a really fun residency. We got to play all of the tunes we loved, but my God, were we quiet. It was so quiet. Mm. At some stage, I was like, is the bass even coming out? Like, I think I'm playing it. So this means that new upcoming musicians have to understand how to play quietly. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that when most people play quietly, groove is the first thing to go. And also feel and just general energy. You don't have to play loud to play with like confidence, right? Mm. Like what, what's your views on this? Yeah, totally. I was actually, it's weird that you brought that up because I was actually going to say, I think a lot of my uh, experience of playing quietly has probably come from those gigs. Yeah. Quaglian's being one of them. Yeah, for So sure. I'd say like for, for drummers especially, where it's like such a, you know, a, a sort of touch yeah. thing with your instrument, um, you know, you're, you're sort of physically either playing louder or quieter, especially within like an acoustic instrument as well. Um, I'd say to all drummers, definitely practice playing quietly but like keeping the consistency there because usually if people sort of back off the volume a little bit it's like slowing down or speeding up yeah. or you you know you lose the the lovely rim shot or the sound like you can and like i i'm so uh sort of being very clear about this mm. like and you know very passionate about it i suppose but like drummers like you can still sound sexy as fuck oh my god yeah and like groove like a motherfucker playing quietly like you really can just because it's like actually i quite enjoy it sometimes yeah, but you can too. still you can literally have the same groove that you've been playing loudly just knock off the volume yeah it's it's, it's it's it just takes a bit of practice but it doesn't have to change your groove at all no and i always think back to i think it was vic firth the solo series they did and steve jordan did his solo mm -hmm. spot and I mean, it was just, it was gorgeous. But the thing that really blew my mind was halfway through, he just brought the dynamic down to yep. barely audible and grooved so hard. We'll find that clip and put it in yep. the show notes because it is something to behold. Yeah, the exact one. You know which one I'm talking about, right? He's playing the Yamaha kit, I mm -hmm. think, yeah. And I always thought that is incredible. Like, and you can see in the way he's playing it, He's just grooving. He's doing that Steve Jordan, you know, that groove face he has. But it's so quiet. Mm. But you don't, this is the but thing. it's with, so good. You don't have to, <laughs> as a drummer, nothing, like, things in your head shouldn't be changing. So the motions that you're doing with your with your body right. are changing. So, like, yes, okay, you're not putting as much movement into your strokes or whatever like yeah. that. The time's still the same. Uh, Do you know true. what I mean? It's like, it just takes a little bit of practice. It's not like I'm sl I'm getting quieter, so I'm slowing, slowing down. down. <laughs> it's just like you're still playing. Yeah, you're just still you're just playing quieter. quieter. It's all it is. Just put less effort in, but you should still be thinking about the time. And I think yeah. what happens is like I suppose most musicians really, when they start sort of getting quieter, your instant reaction is to kind of start slowing down. Yeah. But you should, like, just practice. I, I would say just practice grooving with a metronome yep. and do like four bars of your usual volume and then four bars. And I mean like beat one, you have dropped the volume yeah. by 50% and then do another four bars, like a medium volume or whatever. But keep it really, really consistent. Like it shouldn't change the time yeah. at all. It's funny. We've done this a couple of times where like... um. Uh, dynamic shifts in a, in, a, in a song yeah and like you ask people to do it they come down by like two percent and they're like well i'm doing it mm. I'm like no 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 i mean 50 percent. Mm. i mean the pocket is there but 50 percent volume like if you're a drummer and struggling with that because a lot of people do what like you've given some great examples there what about like technical aspects of playing yeah. quietly what, what where would we start with that well, so I would say, and again, it's it's not when I say like just putting less effort. There's more to it than that because yeah. it you will feel, especially if you're kind of maybe using your fingers yeah. in some of the grooves. You know, sometimes you have to kind of put in a certain amount of effort to kind of get yeah. maybe that bounce or whatever, Makes get the re re rebound. So you do have to kind of it will change how the groove feels and also some of the technique side as well. So yeah. I think if if you start slowing down and things start falling apart, it just means you haven't got control right. over that groove 100%. Control, cool. So I think you should have control over a groove at multiple different volumes. And I think I think just whack a metronome on and it might mean that 
rather than kind of using a lot of the bounce for some of the strokes like maybe if you're playing like some doubles or if you've got a few ghost notes it might mean that you physically have to play them rather than sort of using the rebound ah, as like a tool because you haven't given enough <clears throat> energy to get the yeah. physical bounce back that's really cool and also you know maybe to start with just simplify the groove a little bit just nice. take some things away and, and work on that time and then you can add stuff in but i think the, the thing for me is I, I play a rim shot a lot yeah and I think when, because I said it to, I think it was one of our students, I think it was Leo, actually. Yeah. Was it Leo? I can't remember. It might have been. And I said, um, just play it quieter, quieter. And you started playing it quieter, and the rim shot just disappeared. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. You can still, still have play a rim that shot. lovely backbeat yeah. with the rim shot, just quiet. And he was like, really? So yeah. yeah. Just don't put as, as much effort into that stroke. But you can still, literally, all you need to do is just connect yeah. with the edge of the drum and then the skin of the drum. And you'll still get, I mean, you can literally just go like that. You'll still get a rim shot. It just takes a bit of practice. Right. Rather than up here, you're sort of just yeah. down here. You're just, just playing quieter. So is it true to say, because I'm just watching you do that, that the height is directly related to the volume? Yeah, kind of. But then I suppose it's a lot of it is like the whip. So ah. if you're kind of whipping and pre preparing for that stroke, that helps as well. Yeah. Like if you're kind of playing like that, if I was then going to sort of play quieter, just, ah, just yeah, a yeah. slight different, rather than sort of that whip. Yeah. But you can still get a little whip. But there is a, there's like a little whip. A little whip. A little whip. But yeah, it's just, I think it just nice. takes practice. I'm mean, Actually, when I'm doing that now, I'm like, is that what I do? But yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. hard to like, obviously. And just less, less, less just less, I yeah, think. less movement, which makes sense because it's an yeah. acoustic instrument. So it is based on the energy you give it. You're not like turn it up a little bit. You can't, unless it's an electric kit. It's similar to bass. So I think one of the things I noticed a lot in my playing when I first started to play quietly was it just groove just fell apart because mm. you rely on that kind of um, response from the string. So you're like, oh yeah, digging in and you feel it. And then when you play less, you're like, oh, but am I moving the string? Like, But that's where amplification helps because you can just whack it up and then play lightly and it still sounds really big. But one thing I'd recommend to bassists to do is to do exactly the same as this and control your dynamic with one volume on the amp and the bass. Don't start twisting the mm. bass around and think, well, I can just play loud and just turn down. It's like, yeah, you can, but you've still got to stop playing to turn it down. So you should be able to play, I would say realistically, if you're at like a regular amp volume, you should be able to play down to about 30% up to 100 Anything below that, you do lose the groove. There's just not enough um, energy going to the bass to actually sound like something. But 30% at its most quiet is achievable. Yeah. And actually, it's really fun to play like that sometimes because you start to really understand where the mechanics are of that instrument. Because you're amplified, so everything's balanced. But it's like, oh, if I just... Like, you did the little whip there. You know, you go from this to that yeah and it, it is it does take time definitely but the other thing as well i'd recommend is playing with your thumb so you can mute up a bit so you've got a little bit more control on the volume again that will be dependent on your technique though because your thumb for most of us is nowhere near as fast as two alternate yeah, fingers but you never know um so that's another thing to do of course you can cheat and use volume pedals but i'm a real big believer in actually getting the technique and control yeah. and the word you said control absolutely from your hands Definitely. because that's where your sound comes from anyway um so that would be my advice for for players what about electric kits because i've always mm. been really curious about electric kits because my dad had one when he was curious about starting drums this was oh god i don't know way over 15 years ago maybe 20 years ago um and he got an electric kit I used to play it in the basement. It was just awful. Mm. It just—it feels like a toy. Yeah. The What's th your views on this? The things—the thing I don't like about electric kits is you can. So what you can—you can use these um, uh, programs called like uh, there's one called Superior Drummer, I think it is. Right. And <clears throat> basically, it's like sounds that have been recorded in like a professional recording studio. Okay. And you can run them off. I think you run them off your laptop. I used to run it off my laptop when I had my electric kit. Yeah. And so rather than using the inbuilt sounds from Roland, you can use sounds that are from somewhere else, basically. And, and some of the sounds are amazing. But <clears throat> I just don't like um, the feel of electric kits. Right. I find even on the most expensive ones... The, the toms and the snare are just a bit too bouncy because you're playing on sort of like mesh heads. Yeah, totally. And you can like make it less tension, but it's it's just not, not like even 
the snare I was playing with was actually a USB one rather right. than plugged into the brain. It was plugged in, but it was like, I think that was like a thousand pounds just for the snare drum. Wow. It's like the top rolling thing. So it's like super sensitive. Um, and I, I still didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and even on, I actually used the built-in sounds on the Roland module on, on like the Roland brain. Yeah. I just think they sound awful. Like <laughs> the symbols. Oh ugh, yeah, I can imagine. So tin, they just sound like MIDI. Yeah. And I hate it. And, it, so, because again, I'm, I'm not completely clued up on this. Is an electric drum kit essentially a MIDI controller? Yeah, you're just triggering sounds. Yeah, so you could like, yeah. you know, set the sounds to something else yeah. and stuff. Okay, yeah. So you're, and you can, you know, you can tweak this. The, 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 the modules now are pretty advanced, but like the other thing I really can't stand is I find the hi-hats so temperamental. So ah, with the they don't have a rod. Pedal, well, they do have a rod. Oh, it's it's like a, rod. a normal hi-hat. So you've got like a like a rubber symbol there and a rubber symbol on the top oh, and they right. do actually open and close but I always find that something isn't quite right with the triggering system yeah. so you open it and it doesn't go it just you just hit it and it's not oh. triggering properly or you've got your foot all the way down and all of a sudden it just goes and like as if you've got an open eye <laughs> like, fuck's sake I just yeah they just for me um, I also uh, when we did when I did that drummathon uh, drummathon thing yeah yeah where I played for like 12 hours straight or oh, we've got to whatever. talk about that in another yeah. episode because that was bonkers that was mental yeah that was mental <laughs> for charity so it was good yeah it was great um the guy uh ali who does it a lot he's actually i think i think it's ali um he's had loads of injuries through playing on electric kits really and why, where would that come from i think it's because you're hitting like rubber pads so the skins <sighs> give way a little bit you're hitting rubber and also on the rims, the rims are quite hard. Right. So like it's just on your wrists, it's Ooh, just awful. Okay. So I've actually I've I've know I've known a couple of mates that have just played an electric kits at home and they've had like RSI or oh, no. problems with their wrists and stuff. So oh my God, okay. Is there a bass equivalent like to an electric? No, thank God. Like I, I, I mean, mean it's, it's electric it's, bass. It's electric like, anyway. You just it? turn it down, don't you? Um I you think can get like electric uprights. uprights. Yeah. Ooh, we don't like those we don't like those well i mean i like you i've played them i find them the most offensive instrument i think i've ever played because okay. for me upright bass is an acoustic sound mm -hmm. to synthesize that and put it onto like a graphite neck that's like first of all you don't have the body so physically it feels really weird the only time I've really enjoyed one, I've never played this, but I listened to it. And I thought that's amazing. Is Sting used to play something? I think it's called a Z bass, and it was an electric upright. And he played a lot of his tracks on that, and it did sound really nice, really, really nice. I think. Comment on. Tell me I'm wrong if I've done this, but I'm pretty sure the Z bass is on Englishman in New York, and a oh, few wow. other things, and it does sound like an upright, and it's really nice, but you have to spend a lot of money to get a decent one. You do not go budget on an electric upright. But some people have got these like travel bases, which are kind of half there and half not. Those sound okay. I just think, just play the real thing. Do you know I what I mean? Know. Like, why would, you, why would you try and fake a sound that is there already? I get from a visual aspect and a sound yeah. aspect. But upright, if you don't amplify it, it's not that loud anyway. You need to amplify it just to hear the thing, unless you're Bowie, yeah. which will then be super loud. Um, I suppose it's obviously like yeah. up, uprights are massive, aren't they? So I suppose oh, if you yeah. haven't got the, no, the super space social, yeah, if you can get it, a yeah. small one, no, absolutely. I'm not saying that just get an upright, like, but for me personally, it's just the sound is just nowhere near. Maybe I haven't played enough to know, mm. but part of me is like I don't really care. I don't want it. It's not. It's not something that excites me at all. It's like um, it's like those. Uh, those bikes, the super bikes you get with the 50cc engines. Yeah. So you get this like bike and you're like, whoa. And there's like, yeah. it sounds like a hairdryer. Yeah. And you're like, just get a moped, mate, yeah. like everyone else. Don't get this like Ducati looking thing. And then you turn yeah. it and it's like, ring, ring, ring. <laughs> it's just like, no, it doesn't seem right for me. But anyway, on base, you don't have to worry about that too much because it, you just turn down. But, one thing I have noticed is that people feeling what it's like to play at different volumes, that's the thing they should be working on because you do need to feel what it's like to play mm. harder and softer Yeah, because it is a totally different tactile experience within the instrument. 
obviously particularly with the with the plucking hands now plectrum is harder to control because obviously it's a physical piece of plastic that you're moving back and forth but again muting sort of you know using the flesh of your hand to mute up that's a nice way of cutting the volume down without using pedals but most people these days will just use an uh, volume pedal yeah. which i get but it shouldn't be the only thing we can do so i've got a question yeah electric kit blah, off 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 the list <laughs> right so what would you do for a nice setup for a quiet venue talk to me about what you bring yeah so you've got a couple of tricks right yeah <laughs> i love the old yeah. sizzler it's one of my favorite things well, i mean again i'm not like electric kits are not for me but that's i've got my own studio and i'm very lucky to yeah, do that so i can set up a kit i had an electric kit when i was living in london i'm not like bad mouthing electric no, kits. No, no, they no, serve a purpose like yeah. i totally get that i just absolutely hate playing them yeah. it's just it's just my personal preference but what you could do kiss goodbye to that roland sponsorship yeah i know <laughs> Well, but like, I, I use all the electronics with an acoustic kit. Like, no, I use exactly, all the SPDSX yeah, stuff. I just course. like a full electric drum kit. I'm just yeah, like, it's not the one. Thanks, Roland, but no. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what what I tend to do now is I just don't do the gig. Right. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. So you need to be quite. No, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Um, what you can do, there's some, there's some cool things out there now. I mean, first of all, I've just got a smaller kit now for functions. Right. So I have uh, a smaller bass drum. Right. Um, I've got uh, like a little 18 by 14, which works really well. Which way around does that go? So 18 wide, uh, the circle is 18 and the 14 is the depth? Yes. Yeah. So which makes sense. 18 yeah. and then the 14. depth. Yeah. yeah. So nice. like standard sizes. So the one I'm touring with at the moment, like a standard bass drum size is 22 by 18. Big. So it's like a yeah, it's quite like a big bass drum. Regular bass drum. I've got a twenty by fourteen and an eighteen by fourteen. So, oh, eighteen by fourteen is a pretty jazz standard size. Not you're not going to get like a real beefy kick out of that. You're going to unless well, you mic it. Obviously. Unless you mic it and put some dampening in it. A lot of jazzers don't put yeah. anything in there, so right. it's quite like a like oh. a sort of a, I don't know like a you get a lot of tone from the drums. So there's not a lot right. of dampening. You get more almost like a like a sort of a tonal sound rather oh. than like a. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, okay. Cool. So smaller size drums. There's some really uh, rubrics drum shop that drummers. If you haven't checked um, them out, there they're amazing. They do these things now, which they essentially look like tea towels. Right. But they're the actual size of drums, and you just they're like a sort of fabric, and you just whack them on the top, and it completely deadens the drum. Wow. But okay. it still feels quite nice to play. So you could get. Um, you know, 12, uh, sorry, 14 for the snare and then like a 12 and a 14 for the toms if you wanted to. Um, you can always, which I absolutely despise, but you can gaffer tape, like Blah. put some strips on the bottom of your cymbals. But, you know, this is, this is, these are options. You yeah. know what I mean? You're just trying to deaden that sound. And it's like, if you've got no other options, um, I, I seem to find in those venues with sound limiters, the snare is always right. the big one. That's the one that causes the problems, yeah. is it? Because of its the fact that it's quite loud yeah right definitely um so yeah i'd say smaller drums and and things that are going to dampen your sound okay. um nice. and also i would say for bands if you're thinking about getting into the functional corporate world uh definitely have in-ears i would i would yeah. really if you're going to think chat. about buying a pa um don't go and spend loads of money on a PA and monitors and all that sort of stuff because it just adds to all the sound in the room all the sound on the stage if you have in-ears you can control what you're... The only sound that's coming out is what you're putting out front of yeah. house and obviously the drums as well. But, you know, guitarists and bassists don't even have to have amps anymore. You no, can just go... Lots of people don't. So that's that's one way. Or there's the electric kit option, okay. which I, I honestly think, mate, that in... Give it 10 years and I think ev everyone will be using sort of electronic kits or whatever. I think, I think right. it's only going to get worse with venues. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I really do. Because if you think about when we were gigging, when we were like 20, yeah. like new to the function world. It was still bad. I, 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 don't, I don't seem to remember that much. Um, Sound limiters. I don't know if, it, if you did. No, you're right. I do remember a few, but that might have been later years. I can't really remember those years so clearly, but you're right. It's de I mean, it, especially in the cities. Like, especially in London, so many yeah. venues have just been like... 100 Wardour is a big one. Yeah, 100 Wardour. They're all on, it's all electric kits. It's all, there's no amps. Yeah. You know. 
in i get it because it does serve a purpose and mm. you can have music and look people are getting jobs that's really good and that's wonderful we should support anything that puts people in employment but we do have to start asking ourselves the question is like does it act, is it music anymore are we playing how we really want to play is this really justifying but sometimes they don't want that they just want a bit of noise whilst people are eating and i get that and i'll take 400 quid off them to do that yeah. do you know what i mean like you just have to think about what gig it is um i'm just like get a dj and i'll stay yeah, at home that's the, have thing. the night off yeah it's it is we sound like we're sort of old cranky men here, but <laughs> we are. <laughs> but uh, we're just sort of like, I think it's really important that young musicians go in with their eyes wide open. 100%. You are not going to be playing super loud at most venues you play. In fact, nope. the only time you're going to play loud is either at a pub where they don't give a shit and it's way too loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's just horrible. Or a venue, a proper venue that has sound and it's been treated and all of those stuff. When you're doing functions and things like that, you need to be ready to potentially play very, very quietly. Yeah. So if you're thinking, oh yeah, I'll bring my 410 cab. Nah, mate, don't, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> but have a nice little rig that works really well. Yep. Again, you might just use amp modeling. You may not even bring your amp if it's in-ears. Obviously, that's the only way that's going to work. But think about this stuff. And if you're not practicing playing quiet, start practicing playing yeah. quietly. I think like, the other thing I was going to ask you about, because I always loved it when you used to do it, it's just going to kick snare hats. Yeah. Real simple little setups. Is that, so like if, a, if someone wanted to start getting into those very small setups, what would you sort of suggest? Because you still get the vibe, mm. but you're, you're not as tempted, I suppose, to create more noise, obviously. Yeah. I mean, am I talking out my bum there? No, not, <laughs> no, not at all. I'd, I'd say as well, um, guitarists especially, um, I'd have some options. So like yeah. have an amp, have some pedals, yeah. but then maybe get yourself like a Helix or yeah. a Kemper or something like that. Like Dave, mm. when uh, we do fly dates on the tour, he just uses this, uh, it's, it's, it's not a Helix, I can't remember what it is, but it's a, sort of the equivalent of that right. sort of thing. Yeah. It's got all his sounds, he just flies that. Yeah. No amp, nothing. Is. But then if he has, you know, but then on the UK dates, because he wants the amps for a bit more sort of on-stage sound, yeah. he uses amps. And I would say for guitarists, like, if you can have an amp, but then maybe the option to have that as well. Also, yeah. if you haven't got an amp, it's less gear to take to gigs. Absolutely. Like, and that's the work reason smart, I, not hard. 100%. Absolutely. Um, with the small kit stuff, I actually really love those setups. Me too. And we do it with a lot of the drummers here at ICMP. Like, it's just, you haven't got as many options, but actually it makes you get more creative because it's yeah. like, if you want to do a fill, you've got these voices, yeah. not these voices. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'd I'd say with some of the drummers, like, play kicks in their hats and see what you can do. And there's, you know, look at Nate Smith. Like I was going to say, Nate Smith and Fearless Flyers. Come yeah. on. Mate, he, he, he literally has kicks in their hats, no symbols, and he still makes it work. So, yeah. I think when people go, well, I need, I need toms. It's like, okay, maybe for a few songs, but just make it work. Like yeah. I actually, I think for functions now, the majority of stuff, unless I'm doing stuff where I do maybe a bit more sort of chopsy and I want a few more options, yeah. I can easily do a gig with kicks, snare hats and a ride. I was going to say, so the ride is an important addition yeah. because then you can crash as well as... She's one symbol, do the ride. crash and a ride. And now let's plug the sizzler my favourite sound in the world. What is the sizzler, John? Sizzler. I mean, that's not really for, for noise things, but like it's... No, it's, but it's, it's like a it's, thing. Awesome. it's great when it's low yeah. volume, though. It does add an extra texture, right? And You're I totally used to... Right. I, lo I love... Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a drummer inside. <laughs> I know this shit. Come on. What is a sizzler? So it's like... There's a couple of options. You can either have like this sort of chain that hangs off the like the bell of the ride. Yeah. And it, it kind of rattles when you hit it. And it creates this like delicious sort of sound after yeah. you've hit the cymbal you can also get rivets oh. where that are actually drilled into your cymbal and they like hang through the hole and when you hit it it kind of Ooh, like rattles in the cymbal okay. it's really cool that's but cool. that's a nice texture to use yeah for more sort of like the lower volume maybe sort of jazzy kind of soul stuff yeah yeah okay I never they, knew about all that. the companies do them or just get a bath chain honestly yeah, I suppose it's a plug right it's basically looks yeah. like a plug tight around the top that's cool. Yeah. So you can you can fake it if you don't want to spend yeah. the money on a sizzler. Definitely. So there's definitely some things there for people to consider about, yeah. particularly drummers. And I think drummers do get a rough time of this because unless mm. you are on electric kit, you are you're gonna you're gonna be the problem. Yeah. Aren't you? I think like to sort of wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a musician nowadays, or if you're looking to get into 
you know, any sort of gig scene, whether it be functions, corporates, um, playing in clubs, playing in big arenas, whatever you're trying to do, it's important that you are versatile. Yes. In, you know, your playing styles, in your approach, and also your volume. And I think just going like, oh, I don't want to play quiet. It's like, okay, if you don't want to be able to play quietly, you're going to limit yourself quite a lot. And I think just take the time and you can still have, you might discover something about yourself. Like I, when we were doing that, it was like a baptism of fire because it's like, well, I've, I've just got to make this work. Yeah. And I would say in this day and age now, if you're going into those gigs, one, first of all, just have the control over your instrument and have the options to do that yourself, like physically, but also then from a sound point of view, it might be worth hiring a sound engineer for your gigs. Yeah. It might be worth, if you want to do it yourself, all getting in ears. Mm-hmm. It might be worth considering the equipment you use on those gigs because it is getting more difficult. Yeah, it's only going to get worse, as you yeah. said, definitely. And I think my final bit to add is around just the touch of your instrument. So, you know, we spend a lot of time buying pedals, buying electronics and buying stuff. But actually, if you go back to the basics and you really start to listen to your mm-hmm. sound in like the most uh, flat EQ, so it's just the sound of the instrument, you and start doing the work on that, you will actually find some amazing discoveries there. Maybe not straight away, but if you 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 persevere with it, (laughs) you will find some stuff. So yeah, hopefully that was useful for everyone. Um, It's an interesting subject. It's definitely, I'd be really curious in the comments from people, what limiter issues you've had, share it. Is this just an English thing as well? Like, is this UK based? Like, please tell us in your country, are Mm. you worrying about limiters as well? Is it just the moody Brits? shutting down all the fun as John said <laughs> yeah I think like with like me and Ben have said this before but if you're listening and you want to sort of comment on, on stuff like this please do because then we can talk about this on the next episode and I would love to like you know this is mine and sort of Ben's experience of this stuff but there's so many gigging musicians out there totally. love to know your thoughts I've, I've you know seen some things online before and whatever about other people's experience on Facebook but like get involved like we'd love to talk about this stuff cool well see you next time don't play too loud. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Cheers, bye. You've been listening to Beats and Best Friends, a Behind the Beat production. It was recorded at ICMP Queen's Park. The intro music features John Harris on drums, Ben Jones on bass, Adam Goldsmith on guitar and Nick Ferry on keyboards. Thanks for stopping by and we'll see you on the next session.